the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Ed Martin, great weekend. I hope you had one. Boy, it went fast. It always feels like I'm waiting, waiting, waiting to get to be able to talk with you all. So thank you for being here. I'm Ed Martin. We have a great program, great report, a great pro-America report tonight. A lot to report on, a lot to report on. Uh, First, by the way, go to edmartinlive.com, edmartinlive.com, and click right in there, and you can give me your email address. I'll send you the daily wink, what you need to know, the daily wink, every morning, 5 a.m., Pacific time, you'll get the wink. So go there, edmartinlive.com. You can also email me at ed, ed edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com. Uh, in a minute, we're going to talk with the great Andrea Kay, who her own program just ended a minute ago. She stays in the studio for a couple minutes to catch up. But, you know, we're in that space here, what you need to know. And, you know, later on the program, we'll talk a little Kobe Bryant, a sad situation. We'll talk a lot about China. Uh, they can't even control, they can't control anything in China right now. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm a little scared. 1.4 billion people after they realize that their government's a mess. We'll talk a little bit of China. Uh, we'll talk, of course, with Dr. Brett M. Decker. He's a very close associate over the years. I don't think he's close necessarily now, but with John Bolton, we'll get an inside scoop on John Bolton. And, uh, we also will talk with Steve Cortez. Steve Cortez, uh, like me, did a stint at CNN and they basically put him on ice. I don't think I was in the same situation he was. I, I was put on ice because they didn't like I was too conservative. I think they put Steve on ice because he was too good. He actually was convincing America uh, about what was going on. He was really good. So he's now a Salem radio host over in Chicago, too. We'll have him on in a minute. But before we get to that, what you need to know right now is the impeachment debacle, the threat to our Constitution, to our future. This is where uh, Andrea Kay and I disagree a little bit. I'm worried about it because I think there's 100 senators that could be bamboozled, could be so self-absorbed, could decide to start hearing witnesses, could do something really disastrous and go forward uh, and, and damage the country or whatever. Uh, and I think you should be worried about it. Andrea, I think earlier we talked on her program. She just thinks they'll never stop. The left will never stop. The Democrats will never stop. This is just a sort of warm up. But welcome back, Andrea. Are you, did you get to see much of these nitwits? Oh, well, actually, the good guys were today. Yeah. But uh, but the uh, the Democrats, have you watched much of the impeachment itself? I have. You know, I missed a little bit of it this morning. Um, but, you know, uh, thanks to the Al Gore inventing the Internet, you can get caught up at any time yeah. <laughs> by going over to YouTube. And and I think I'm going to be watching that Pam Bondi over and over yeah. and over again. I might have to set that on a, on an auto replay. Yeah, she was very good. I was telling you earlier, uh, Pam, I watched a lot of it today and I thought Ken Starr was really boring and, and, uh, you know, he sounded like a, uh, not even a law professor, but an appellate judge. He just droned on, on. I thought, you know, where, this is like Jurassic Park and all. And, and the other guys were okay. <laughs> Pam Bondi was excellent. Also, as I mentioned earlier, I got to be careful how I say this, but she looks good. 
She's got style. She's she speaks so well, and then she's really smart. Like she's not, you know, she's not just good looking and 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 sort of charismatic. She's really on top of her games. I thought she was great. I did think Dershowitz uh, was the main event, frankly, for the whole thing. And I, I saw a few minutes ago Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, who tweeted Dershowitz destroyed the whole rationale for this whole thing. Let's vote. And that's how I felt when it's done. Let's vote. But Andrea, you're a pretty astute observer of politics and media the the bolton story the john bolton leak of his book don't you think it almost makes it inevitable we're going to hear from him at live testimony probably not that we should because dershowitz you're right, right about dershowitz dershowitz as well as even ken Starr and even raskin and even going back to saturday the trump's team has done a masterful job of using truth facts, the Constitution, the law to justify, as Ken Starr said, that not only should this thing should be completely thrown out, not only should we not have witnesses, but it should be thrown out. But the problem is, is we have Mitt Romney, we have Susan Collins, we have Lisa Murkowski, like you said, probably upwards of 100 rhinos and or people that are just really interested in their own their own uh, futures. And so, you know, with that said, it's why you, you really have no way of knowing they, but when you've got Bolton's own former chief of staff coming out and saying, "Look, man, you know, whatever you got in this book, you shouldn't you shouldn't even be doing a book." That that was that was a hit job on Bolton today. I think so. I think there's a possibility, and I haven't heard anybody else say this, and you could disagree with me. I think there's a possibility that Bolton might realize that he's the one who miscalculated. He shouldn't have sent that book manuscript to the NSC. Uh, it, it, he might have even done it purposely to have it leaked. His credit, he he looks like a complete narcissistic, self-serving schmuck right now. Because as Stefanik said and others today, even if what he says supposedly in the book happened, it's not an impeachable offense. So I think Biden was. I think Bolton was the loser today. Well, and and maybe. But then again, if you don't, if, if you, if the country is made up of people that don't care about the facts anyway, you know what I mean? They just want to extend the torture. I mean, this is my point. I, I think I told you this on your program. We're talking with Andrew Kay and the Andrew Kay show, of course, uh, airs six to seven right before this program. Uh, I, I, what I think is at this point is all of this is a stink that, that they're hoping sticks to Trump too because they all just know they're swamp creatures they don't care they know how to win their states they if they're senators they know how to you know get enough money to beat their opponents if they're house members they've gerrymandered things they don't really care about anything but they want to get uh, Trump sort of stunk up with the swamp stink and I gotta say the longer this goes on it feels like I, I, I told you if if there's somebody in your great you know high school or grade school class and everybody says so-and-so's a jerk over and over again even if you don't talk to the person you just assume Assume they're a jerk. After a while, the message is pounded into your head, even if it's a lie. And Schiff and the gang, frankly, they have pounded a good li- a lie well. And I just think more and more Americans are just thinking, well, he must have done something wrong. Well, I think that, that well, I think the flip side to that is that after last week, there's more and more Americans that don't care about this impeachment right now because Trump, there's major been significant economic success and people are happy with the way this country is going. Trump supporters and conservatives see that this is the same playbook that involved Kavanaugh. And that was not really about Kavanaugh either. That was about power. That was about we didn't win the election. So how can we steal the election by stealing a nomination and taking control of the Supreme Court? This is the same playbook here. And you're right. Half the country still thinks Brett Kavanaugh was a gang rapist simply because it was said over and over again. And to me, this is about the Democrats. It's not even about Trump. It's about, you know, stealing the elections through this phony impeachment process. And and ultimately, it's about... 
conditioning the American people to accept that, that the Constitution doesn't matter. And so due process doesn't matter. Fourth Amendment rights don't matter. Uh, You know what? And that it's okay for a government, the United States government, to be weaponized against conservatives and Republicans for political reasons. And that's why I love what Pam Bondi did today, because... Rudy Giuliani said it last night. He said, Joe Biden is a crook. And if he gets away with it, we don't have any justice in this country. So hat tip to Bondi and Trump's team today for pushing back and saying, you know what? Here's the real crook, crooks. It's the Bidens. And, you know, we're not going to go down and let you let you move, remove President Trump from office uh, for uh, asking for investigations into crooks. Well, OK, we're talking with Andrew Kay. And let me get one more question. We're on a time in this first segment. Um do you think uh, Biden survives this? I mean, one of the fruits of this whole thing is that the whole country, if you're listening, you hear that Hunter Biden, who who looks like the son of a, a, a vice president, I kind of mean that as a compliment. He looks like, you know, put together and all, I mean, in a way. And But he's making a million dollars a year, close to a million dollars a year for not, knowing nothing. And that's got to be stink on him. I, I mean, you know, that, that runs off onto, onto Biden. You think Bernie's the guy? The polls are showing Bernie's the guy. Is Bernie going to win the Democrat nomination, Andrea? I don't know. But what I think we do know is that Biden is a dead man walking as a nominee. Biden ain't getting the, ain't getting the nomination. At this point, the only reason why I think he's still in it is because the Democrats are, are saying that he can't be investigated. That They have to keep Biden in it at this point because that's part of their, their impeachment attempt at President Trump. That Trump's going after somebody that's a nominee, so he's, go, so he's a political opponent. So they got to keep Biden in to keep this impeachment going, But Biden ain't going to win the nomination, if you follow me there. And I think Hunter Biden looks like what he is, a uh, coke head, stripper baby mama. And that's why I love partly why I love what Pam Bondi did today. There ain't nobody buying that Hunter Biden had any business getting 80K a month from Burisma. All right. Andrea Kay, as always, she's not without her opinion, as you can tell. 6 to 7 p.m. every weekday. Thanks, Andrea. We'll be back with you tomorrow night. Thank you for uh, coming on for a few minutes. We're going to we'll set things up for the rest of the show. Appreciate you very much, Andrea Kay. By the way, Andrea Kay will be out at CPAC with me. We'll be broadcasting out here and at CPAC uh, later on. We'll get more details coming up in the next few weeks. All right. uh, When we come back from this break, we'll talk with Steve Cortez. As I mentioned, Steve Cortez, one of the best I've seen at breaking down one important and very important thing, which is the Charlottesville hoax. On Twitter, if you haven't seen him do this, it's important. I'm going to ask him about it because CNN especially has been pushing the Charlottesville hoax forever. Biden has based his campaign on it, that that President Trump somehow said that there are good people on both sides, meaning white supremacists and, and, uh, and protesters. It's not what he said. And Steve Cortez is the best at breaking it down. So we'll talk with him and a lot more. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Radio.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is a guy that I have admired for a long time, partly because I uh, did a little bit of what he did. I, as you know, did about a six-month stint at CNN before I went the way of Jeffrey Lord and was unceremoniously dumped for telling the truth and all. Steve did one better. Steve Cortez, our next guest, at Cortez Steve on uh, the Twitter machine. And Steve did one better than I think Jeffrey and I. I think even Jeffrey did admit he actually got eventually CNN stopped putting him on because he was too effective. 
I mean, I'm like, just like didn't put him on. So they had him. I think they must have had him under contract. And finally, he's out from under it. He's now the spokesman for America First PAC, uh, which is uh, people should remember. It's the only official uh, Trump super PAC that's out there. He also does a show here on the Salem Radio Network out of Chicago. And uh, great guy, a great guy to watch. And uh, well, welcome to the program, Steve. Thanks for everything you do. I really appreciate you. Hey, Ed, you bet. What a, what a kind introduction. I uh, appreciate it. And thanks for having me on your show. And, and glad to be one of your colleagues now uh, within Salem. Yeah, it's super. It's super. It's good for you. Good for us. Your voice. But I need Steve. I got like eight and a half minutes. I need you to do what you've done. It's very special and important with the great Charlottesville hoax because you're really the best. I watch you. It's so important for people to walk through because we still are in it. Joe Biden has built his campaign around Mm -hmm. saying that Donald Trump saw the terrible morons, despicable people in Charlottesville. Some of them. He also saw lots of other good people that were there, which is true. We know that. And he. He he gave a series of sentences that are misquoted by the media. And Steve Cortez, can you walk us through the Charlottesville? It's so important what you do to break it down. So walk us through this, Steve. You bet. Uh, it, it really is. And this is the hoax, by the way, that did get me benched uh, from CNN, but so be it. You know, I'm free of that now. <laughs> right. uh, but it's so important right. to know the truth. And I always say this, listen, you can disagree with this president for reasons of policy, you know, for, for any reason, but make it be true. Don't believe in this lie. And here's the lie. Uh, right. When the president talked about very fine people, it was extremely clear if you actually read the entire tra- transcript or watch the entire video in context, it was very clear that what he meant is there are fine people on both sides of the monument debate, meaning people who wanted to preserve Confederate monuments, Robert E. Lee statue, the name of the park, and people who wanted to remove it. He was not calling the neo-Nazis very fine people, and you don't have to rely on my interpretation because he made that explicit at another point in that exact same press conference. He specifically said, his words were, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis because, and he said, quote, they should be condemned totally. So he he explicitly told us that they were not part of the fine people formulation. I mean, of course they weren't. Look, this president would never say that about neo-Nazis. However, that didn't stop uh, media with running with this lie that has now been going for years. Um, And I did everything I could have dispelled. I did a a video at PragerU. Uh, It's gotten six million views. The president himself retweeted it out. Uh, But I'd encourage your listeners, if they're curious about this and they want to know the whole story, it's a quick video, five minutes at PragerU. But I go through exactly with text, with actual transcript, what the president said and why what media pushes is a lie. It's it's extraordinary, and I'm actually looking at the transcript, and and, and he actually says uh, it's it's the transcript. You look at this. We're talking with Steve Cortez at Cortez Steve on Twitter, also on the Salem Radio Network, and and this is Trump. He says, "Excuse me, they didn't put themselves down as neo Nazis, and you had some very p- bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides." Talking about the debate, uh, the, the 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 monuments, you had people in that group. Excuse me, excuse me, he's being interrupted. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in the group were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. Then uh, literally about five lines later, he says, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than the neo-Nazis and white nationalists. Now, Steve, my point is, and I should point out, not that it really matters, but you're Hispanic, so you're considered a minority. You know, you come at this as people would say, how can you be for this president if he's a racist? You've actually met him. I mean, I've met him twice, but only briefly, but you've met him. But let me just ask you this question, Steve. How potent... How terrible is this hoax? I mean, you meet people that probably right. say, 
I know he's a racist. Yes. And you're like, hey, let me explain it. It's right. a it's a very deadly virus, isn't it? No, it really is. I, I think, Ed, it's one of the reasons, I'd argue one of the primary reasons why there's uh, such venom toward this president in this country is because tens of millions of Americans believe this. And they believe, I think they've even convinced themselves to some degree that they heard it that way, right? And if the tape right, is sliced right. a certain way, it, it can appear that way. So, uh, yes, it has been pervasive and pernicious. Um, and I will tell you this, too. Yeah, I, I, And, again, I don't you know, want to lean on my identity, right, the way liberals do. But it still matters, I think. One of the reasons that I support this president is I believe he's truly colorblind, right? Or if he does see any color, it's green. He wants everyone to make money. I think that's a a driving ethos of him. And I I will tell you this of a private moment with the president that I try to tell people because I think it reveals who he is. The first time I ever went into the Oval Office in my life, uh, he was newly elected president, went in there for a private meeting, just us, no cameras, actually nobody else, just us. First thing he said to me, what can I do for Hispanic Americans in this country? Um, you know, not doing it for grandstanding, not doing it because I could do a favor for him. Legitimately wanted to know. And I immediately said, small business, Mr. President. And then we got into specifics. I'm like, Hispanics are entrepreneurs. Let's talk about small business. And sure enough, by the way, Hispanics are flourishing in this country. So this president is the opposite of a racist. Uh, but unfortunately, you're right. It's like a virus. The Charlottesville lie, the fine people hoax. Um, it, it was very effective. But I think finally we're, we're beating this virus back. We're starting to make progress. Uh, Joe Biden spread it again, launched his campaign on it, continues yeah. to use it as part of his campaign shtick. Um, it's reprehensible. You know, it's a complete lie. But look, what you and I have to do and every patriot out there, every time we hear it, whether it's in public like we're doing now or just in the conversation, say, hey, you know, you don't have to attack me, but just say, hey, have you ever looked at the transcript? Can I show you the transcript? You know, right? I mean, because once you yeah. see it or, or watch the full video, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, there just isn't. He couldn't have been more explicit. Yeah. Hey, we're talking with Steve Cortez. Steve, I just got about a minute and a half left, so I'm going to wrap up. But, but I ask you this. Uh, and yeah. by the way, it's at Cortez Steve on Twitter, and he's got a show on the Salem Radio Network out, out of Chicago Station, so track him down. He's going to be a voice, also the spokesman, as I mentioned, uh, uh, for the only pro-Trump, uh, the official uh, super PAC called America First PAC. Steve, right. um, do you think that do you think that the um, do you think that the media, though, you were inside the belly of the beast. That's what I got fired for. I called CNN the belly of the beast, among other things, <laughs> calling Anna Navarro yeah. and, and a few others racist. But oh you were inside. Yeah. How, 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 you know, how much do you worry about the power of the media? I mean, Salem Strong, right. One America News, you know, today, Fox, I'm not blaming them, but they did cut away from the defense of the president. You know, all the other mm. stations did when they when they were whacking away. How much do you right. worry about the, the media bias and, and can we overcome it? No, I worry a lot about it, Ed, and I worry about it not just in terms of winning the election. I mean, I think we're going to win. The media is going to make it hard, but I worry about it just as an American because, again, I think that the the uh, polarization in our country is very much exacerbated by the media's unwillingness to be journalists and to actually tell stories, instead to always pick a side, to always pick a team, right? And the team is always you know, against Trump. For example, I mentioned today when I was on Fox uh, Business with Charles Payne, I said the economy right now, it's the greatest story never told. I'm like, you know, when I was a kid, I saw that story about Jesus right on Easter Sunday, the greatest story ever told. Well, this is the greatest story <laughs> Right. Never told um, because nobody right. wants to talk about the economy out there. It, this is great news, and it should be unifying news for the country. You know, that's my point, too, right? That what's great about, particularly great about this economic story right now is that the people who needed the help the most, people without advanced degrees, blue-collar workers, minorities, those are the people now taking the lead in terms of wage gains. Like, this is magnificent news, no matter what your politics are. Um, 
and it should be broadcast and it should be unifying. So it's greatly worrying to me the, the place that our media is in. But look, we cannot control what legacy, legacy media does. What we can control is the vote in November, um, and we can control yeah. the platforms that we have available to us, like your show. So you're doing such important yeah. work for this country. All right, Steve Cortez, at Cortez Steve. By the way, he also writes at realclearpolitics.com. He's got a piece up from just two days ago on the U.S. security establishment and why they sort of push back on Trump. Also really good. He's a real treasure, this guy. And track him down, Salem Radio Network, too. I got to run, Steve. Uh, Thanks again for being on with us. We'll take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. The Answer, San Diego. Streaming now on iHeart.com and Radio.com. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on The Pro-America Report. Lots to report from out in the heart of America. Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times best-selling author and uh, educator, professor of the Youth of America at Defiance College in Ohio, joins us now. Uh, he also has the distinction for me of being a close observer. I think that's the way to say it. I don't know if I, I don't know if you describe yourself as a friend. I know you worked in the White House and around uh, the swamp uh, with uh, John Bolton. I have too a little bit. I had him. He came out to speak at one of the events I was uh, hosting for Phyllis Schlafly Eagle. So I know him a little bit. I'm surprised what's happened, uh, I guess. Uh, but anyway, welcome, uh, Dr. Decker. How are you tonight? Good. You know, with, with uh, doing this show live, I might have to move out to San Diego. <laughs> there little, you go. That we can use you out there. But, but yeah, John. You know, John Bolton's a friend. He gave me a uh, he gave me a blurb for um, uh, for my book, Bowing to Beijing. There's a cover blurb uh-huh. that he gave me for that, and um, yeah. he's he's reviewed my books before, some of my books before, and um, uh, he, he's been in press releases when I've gotten hired. He's given quotes before saying this is the best hire ever. I mean, how much does that quote cost, right? But but I mean, yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, complicated position now with all this going on. Uh, you know, and we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker um, on the Bolton thing. I think one thing that changes everybody, and I was I was gratified to see this because I've I said this I've said this for a few years. I mostly meant it about like John Kerry, John McCain, Mitt Romney, people that run for president and get get sort of serious about it and they are successful enough. They never really stop thinking that they should be president and they're just stunned that they're not. And people forget John Bolton put together a somewhat credible, you know, he was a real candidate for a, in the in the 2016 campaign. He raised some money. He had been out there enough. He had a he had a sort of lane that he occupied for at least a few debates and all. And I it feels like that, like his judgment was better than everybody else's. And he's going to sort of play that out. But I I don't know how it ends well for him in, in the in the sense that. You know, he's going to have alienated every Trump supporter ever, and it feels like sort of a, a weak move. I don't know. What, what what do you expect to happen? Do you think he's going to end up testifying? I mean, I, I, I'm worried about it. And in this book, I mean, he must have gotten a crazy huge advance, right, to write a book critical of Trump because that's the only thing publishers want. Um, right. But, I mean, I'm worried how it turns out to him because – I I think Republicans, they get caught in the beltway and they don't understand how popular this president is with the Republican base. Like, 
Right. People are out there saying he's like better than Reagan, right? I mean, old people like yeah. us were like, wow, he might be better than Coolidge, you know, when we were a kid or whatever. <laughs> but, you know? right. So, so, right. so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm worried about what the backlash will be. And also, you know, I, it, it, it really is uncomfortable because what, what can a president do if he can't trust his own advisors? And, and, and right, you have innuendo and hearsay and things that come out or leaked in books or whatever. And what, Look, when you have advisors, especially in sensitive government positions, but maybe in a business one, too, you throw ideas out there. You throw hypotheticals out there. What if we do this? Okay, we can't do that. What if we do that? Can't do that. So there's a lot discussed in a meeting that's not necessarily in meetings that aren't necessarily serious proposals. But if you just say, oh, someone said this in a meeting, oh, it might be true, but it's out of context. So uh, just right. It's just a it's a it's a bad situation. Well, and his, so so I lo- I'm looking here at my notes on this. Bolton published accounts. I guess we don't know for sure. He got a $2 million advance for the book, which is the advance. That's $2 million for the signing you up, yeah. and then you're going to get paid more when it comes out. So this is a, this is a significant, uh, you know, as you say, a book deal. Uh, but does it, does it work? I guess my point is when you're all done, said and done, let's say you get Bolton in front of the senator or they depose him on video and they show the video, and he basically says, yeah, the president wanted this and that and the other other thing and all the other thing. And when you're done, you say, okay, it looks like the president was, you know, pushing and pulling on everybody. I mean, every single international leader would have a story where Trump said, we're not going to do this unless you figure that out. Why aren't you paying enough? Why aren't you doing this? I Again, I don't know uh, how it leads anywhere, except, as I said earlier, Maybe it's just to get the stink of the swamp on Trump, you know, that he is in the swamp and it's a mess and all that. Maybe that's the goal. I don't know. What do you where do you think it ends up? I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, no one really knows what happened in this. So you have all these different people saying, oh, this is what I recollect, where Joe Biden himself has bragged about when he was vice president telling the Ukraine, you fire this prosecutor, you're losing $2 billion. Like he, right. uh, Biden's bragging about intervening and, and, and using the, you know, and then, and now there's, this is part of a Trump impeachment. I think the, I think the biggest thing is what this does, no matter what it is. I don't think it has any long-term effect other than it gives the blame America, blame Republican first Republicans. Like, yeah. I mean, Mike Lee, who's turned into a lunatic and Mitt Romney and Mikowski in Alaska and Susan Collins, it gets them an excuse to say we need witnesses and draw the whole thing out longer. And right, the, the Republican yeah. majority is not big enough that where Mitch McConnell can resist that. So this just pours right. fear on the fire for those who always see everything as attack your own party first. Uh, we're talking with Brett, Brett M. Decker. Let me switch gears because it's got about three or four minutes left uh, and ask you about Asia. You mentioned your book, Bow- Bowing to Beijing, uh, about the Obama administration not standing up to China. And you've uh, you've written on this uh, in essays and articles on China. Uh, but I want to ask specifically about this uh, public health uh, problem they're having. You know, the, the published accounts that there's 57 million people now in a whole bunch of cities being quarantined. And this virus, you know, they're saying it's killed 100 people. It's probably killed a lot more. I mean, you could 
can tell me about whether the you can trust what you're hearing from the communist government now that they've quarantined everybody. Uh, but, you know, even 100 people out of 57 million, my doctor wife was saying, you know, don't, don't get too hysterical here. This isn't quite, you know, uh, the Black Death yet. Uh, but it's sort of exposing China as sort of, again, they're, they, they stumbled and fumbled on Hong Kong. They can't uh, seem to get a deal. Well, I guess they got some deal with Trump. But uh, what, what does it mean? Does it mean anything or is it just just a blip on uh, on China's uh, you know plans? I mean, it shows just what I mean, what a disaster and what like like China's not ready to be a first world player. Right. So I read that before the quarantine went into effect. There's an estimate that as many as five million people might have been affected before the quarantine. Well, it doesn't take long to look at it like a, 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 a catastrophe um, growth model to see how fast five million people can spread. Right. I think I think the other thing is right. this happened because they have this like, you know, biochemical study and warfare, um, you know, super secret uh, um, research facility. And this thing escaped from it because their processes and their their security messages aren't aren't secure enough. So it just shows. And, and these people have tons of nukes. Right. So it's just uh, it's just a disaster. It's not a serious country. It's not a serious player. Um, if the U.S. has its act together, China's not a military threat. They're not an economic threat. And this is just a reminder of what a basket case um, China is. Yeah, I, that's what it feels like to me. I mean, it feels like, you know, reading the reading at least the limited coverage we're getting about it is that they they can't sort of get things under control. And, and you know, uh, you wonder if it's going to lead to any kind of, uh, uh, you know, civil disrest, you know, disrest or, you know, uh, people saying, hey, this isn't working or, you know, I don't know. I don't know that you're in a situation where it's uh, suddenly going to turn, but nobody thought it was going to turn when the wall fell. And if you look further back, the Bolshevik revolution, it, it, you know, lots of lots of uh, the leaders of the revolution said nothing's going to happen for a while and suddenly it happens. So uh, who knows? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, remember the press on the the, Uyghur, the Uyghurs being put into uh, camps, a million people and education camps and the, the Fulon Gong adherents being uh, targeted. Uh, and even at least the reports, again, pretty credible that they're uh, harvesting organs from some of these people. I mean, this is, this is crazy stuff. All right, I got to run. Dr. Brett M. Decker, thanks as always. Appreciate it uh, for the insight on uh, uh, Dr. Uh, excuse me, on John Bolton and uh, impeachment and other things. We'll talk again next week. Uh, Bre- Brett Decker. Brexit at the end of the month. Yay. Oh, Bre- oh, sorry, Brexit. We'll have to talk. We'll talk right away next week. I apologize. I meant to get to that. Uh, we need to get that uh, picked up. That's later this week. So we'll, we'll thank you for reminding me. All right, we got to run. I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Streaming now on TuneIn.com and Radio.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here, uh, Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Hey, let's take some phone calls from the listeners. 888-344-1170 is the number. That's 888-344-1170. By the way, I mentioned earlier one of you texted me. Go to edmartinlive.com, edmartinlive.com, and you can sign up for our emails there. So, again, 888-344-1170 if you want to call in. And uh, let me wrap a couple things up here in this last segment. One is I, di- I sort of swallowed the what you need to know. And so uh, here's what I want to ask you, callers, if you want to call in. Impeachment. 
Do you think it ends fast or you think it drags on? Right now, I don't know how many people are watching. Maybe you don't care. Tell me if you don't care. That's fine. Uh, but do you think it's going to drag on? If you have a sense of whether you think this is going to drag on, if the Republicans don't have the stomach to end it, the Democrats will keep going. Now, that's, that's what I, I'll tell you. My thing on this, what you need to know is I fear it's going to drag on. I just fear it's going to drag on and on and on. And what you need to know is the longer this goes, the worse it is for the country. The longer it goes, the worse it is for the country. As Alan Dershowitz said, and he was great at at the impeachment earlier today, he said it very succinctly. If you voted to impeach, to convict on these two things, it would do neither. It would not. It would be neither justice for the president nor for the Constitution in America. Neither would be served. It wasn't fair to the president how it was done, and it certainly isn't fair to the Constitution. It's not supposed to happen. So, But I fear the introduction of the Bolton book and all these other things, that this could drag on, and it'll be terrible, terrible for the country. Really bad. And drag us down. Now, the... Um, let me, I got an email over the weekend, someone actually on Twitter, direct message. I'm at, at Eagle Ed Martin, if you want to follow me, at Eagle Ed Martin. And the, uh, the, it was a tweet someone sent to me. Did you see this? President Trump was tweeting, I guess it was a couple days ago, uh, Saturday, and he tweeted the following. Iran, uh, Iran, Iranian foreign minister says Iran wants to negotiate with the United States, but wants sanctions removed. No thanks. This is what I want to tell you. I want to remind you, and we're going to talk tomorrow or Wednesday with Ted Malik about his new book. Uh, his new book is called Trump's World, G- uh, G- uh, Geo Deus, and it's coming out. I think it comes out tomorrow or the next day, but Ted Malik is going to be with us from London, and he really talks about uh, Trump uh, and his vision of the world. But I-, I want to remind you that in the past, we had presidents who either looked the other way when it came to sanctions, and and look what I mean, look the other way. They they allowed uh, the sanctions to be sort of flaunted and broken and didn't do anything about it. So you had humanitarian aid being used as a way to smuggle in other things. You had uh, uh, oil tankers and, and natural gas delivery and things coming in from China into North Korea, for example. We had them, and Obama just gave money, uh, to Iran, you remember that part of the part of one of the deals. So you, that, those were the two. You had two different types. They just allowed things to keep going, the sanctions, and and just sort of didn't hold them too tight, or they actually helped them, like Obama did. Trump, from the very beginning, made clear that the Trump doctrine on uh, trade was going to be this hard line. It was going to be if we're going to have sanctions. We're not going to allow the sanctions to be halfway because you can't negotiate if you're only halfway. This is how Trump thinks. So with North Korea, we immediately stopped allowing China to run uh, fuel into North Korea and other things into North Korea. We stopped the tankers with Iran. We stopped. We we put sanctions. You know, that that uh, Ambassador Grinnell in Germany, part of the reason they hate him in Europe is because he went around Europe saying, um, Hey, you're a German company and we can tell you're working with Iran. You're dealing still with Iran. And therefore we're putting you on a sanctions list. You're joining the sanctions list. That's what he was doing. That's what the Trump doctrine meant. Basically, if we're going to use sanctions as a surrogate or as a, uh, as a better word is as a, um, uh, a precursor, uh, you know, before we get to a war, a real war, a fighting war, we're going to use sanctions as a tool, a tool of war. And we're, we're not going to do it halfway. 
Because if you do it halfway, you're basically saying you're not really willing to fight. And so that's the difference of the Trump doctrine as it relates to sanctions. And again, Iran is a clear example, uh, and President tweeted about it over the weekend. North Korea is an excellent example. Some of the other countries. And, and le- let me be clear, it bleeds over into all that we're talking about with Ukraine or anybody else. I was with Rand Paul 10 days ago in a private meeting, and Rand Paul said, I object to the idea that we give Ukraine any money. This is Rand, you know. He said, why are we giving foreign aid to all these places? You know, million, hundreds of millions of dollars. We got plenty of things at home. That's Rand's position. But Trump's position is if we're going to give somebody money, money what are we getting? To What, what assurances are we getting that it's being used so, right, the way we, they say we're, they're going to use it? What are the assurances we have that these places are going to do the things that they say? When they say we need aid to keep our security forces safe so we can have a stable government. That's what the Ukraine said. And we say, okay, good idea. We're into that. We're comfortable with that. I'm not I'm not defending it, by the way. I'm describing what the Congress decided and therefore the executives executing the Congress passing a budget that says give some money to foreign countries doesn't mean the president just delivers the money. He has an obligation. In fact, it's in the law, but he has an affirmative obligation also just generally to make sure it's done right. For example, if the Ukrainian government was overthrown and taken over by a rabid communist, a totalitarian and, and someone came up and said, well, Mr. President, the Congress passed a law last year and said you have to give them $400 million. He'd say, no, 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 I'm not giving them anything until they figure out what they're doing. My point here is the Trump doctrine from the beginning was always, it was, it was opposite. No, it was not opposite. It was, it was in contrast to what the last 40 years or 50 years or probably really 70 years of American foreign policy was, which was we'll throw money at the problem and we won't really ask you many questions. And Trump's thing was, hey, what's what's in it for America? What is it we're giving you that's good for America? And if we decide to put you on a sanction list because that's what's good for America, Iran who wants a nuclear weapon, North Korea wants a nuclear weapon, we're not going to do it halfway. We're not going to do it and look the other way when you're basically you know, floating your economy because people are trading with you. Behind our back or, you know, Iran says lift the sanctions so we can talk. We're not do that. So this president from the beginning has shown he does it different. And on one level, that's the problem for him. Is that most of the of the forces in Washington don't really want to deal with somebody who's different than they are. Who, and, and another example, I'm glad to get this one, is uh, uh, there was a, a, a case that a decision came out today of the um, U.S. Supreme Court uh, that on the and this is something we covered. Uh, I guess it was about two weeks ago. We would have covered this issue. And uh, the um, it's the issue of the um, called public charge, the public charge issue. And the public charge issue is where the uh, the Supreme Court looked at whether the, the Trump administration could put rules on the green cards of migrants who try to use social services. So it sounds obvious, right? Why not? Well, it was lower courts said you can't do that. You, you can't do that. And so I'm t- we're talking about when people uh, you get a green card and then they use tax funder services, whether it's, you know, food stamps, uh, health care, whatever it is. And so it went up to the Supreme Court, five to four. The Supreme Court said, yeah, of course. Of course you can put rules on that. Five to four. 
And that right there, they hate that when President Trump does this, the swamp. I mean, they hate that the swamp, that the president's taking on the this issue of immigration and this issue of why are we using taxpayer dollars to float everybody else and not take care of Americans first. It's another example of how he looks at the field and sees it differently. It's the Trump doctrine. He sees all of it from the through the lens of how do you put the American people first as opposed to doing something you know, that makes you feel good, that serves other people in the world. Let the sanctions go the other way. Uh, don't worry about people with green cards having any kind of uh, any kind of requirements, all those things. Uh, by the way, one more pause on that five to four. Think about how important this election was uh, in 2016 in terms of the uh, in terms of the power of the Supreme Court. And think for, to yourself about how big the next election is going to be in terms of the power of the Supreme Court. I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big deal what's coming uh, next time, but it's already huge what's happened now. So, all right, we um, let me wrap things up here. I want to preview, though, for tomorrow. Tomorrow night I'm going to talk with a guy named Mark Fitzgibbons, who's a longtime conservative guy. I know him. He's going to tell us about, we're going to talk about Congressman Steve Stockman. Congressman Steve, former Congressman Steve Stockman, is in federal prison for 10-plus years for effectively campaign finance violations and not the kind you would think of. So we'll get that update there, and we'll talk a little bit more about some things that are going on in the states, and I will explain to you how Bernie Sanders' surge is being powered and won't fade, being powered by AOC. I'll show you the inside look on that. It's being powered by AOC and the young people. Bernie Sanders, pretty incredible. All that and more tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you to Noah, our technical director, Joanna, our producer out of the heart of America, St. Louis. Go to the Ed, go, excuse me, go to edmartinlive.com. Sign up uh, for our emails and be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.